section ten of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight i mark the matron well and laugh not harry at her old steeple hat and velvet guard i've called her like the ear of dionysius i mean that ear-formed vault built o'er his dungeon to catch the groans and discontented murmurs of his poor bondsmen even so doth martha drink up for her own purpose all that passes or is supposed to pass in this wide city she can retail it too if that her prophet shall call on her to do so and retail it for your advantage so that you can make your prophet jump with hers the conspiracy we must now introduce to the reader's acquaintance another character busy and important far beyond her ostensible situation in society in a word dame ursula subtlechop wife of benjamin subtlechop the most renowned barber in all fleet street this dame had her own particular merits the principal part of which was if her own report could be trusted an infinite desire to be of service to her fellow-creatures leaving to her thin half-starved partner the boast of having the most dexterous snap with his fingers of any shaver in london and the care of a shop where starved apprentices flayed the faces of those who were boobies enough to trust them the dame drove a separate and more lucrative trade which yet had so many odd turns and windings that it seemed in many respects to contradict itself its highest and most important duties were of a very secret and confidential nature and dame ursula subtlechop was never known to betray any transaction entrusted to her unless she had either been indifferently paid for her service or that someone found it convenient to give her a double douceur to make her disgorge the secret and these contingencies happened in so few cases that her character for trustiness remained as unimpeached as that for honesty and benevolence in fact she was a most admirable matron and could be useful to the impassioned and the frail in the rise progress and consequences of their passion she could contrive an interview for lovers who could show proper reasons for meeting privately she could relieve the frail fair one of the burden of a guilty passion and perhaps establish the hopeful offspring of unlicensed love as the heir of some family whose love was lawful but where an heir had not followed the union more than this she could do and had been concerned in deeper and dearer secrets she had been a pupil of mrs turner and learned from her the secret of making the yellow starch and it may be two or three other secrets of more consequence though perhaps none that went to the criminal extent of those whereof her mistress was accused but all that was deep and dark in her real character was covered by the show of outward mirth and good humour the hearty laugh and buxom jest with which the dame knew well how to conciliate the elder part of her neighbours and the many petty arts by which she could recommend herself to the younger those especially of her own sex dame ursula was in appearance scarce past forty and her full but not overgrown form and still comely features although her person was plumped out and her face somewhat coloured by good cheer 
had a joyous expression of gaiety and good humour which set off the remains of beauty in the wane marriages births and christenings were seldom thought to be performed with sufficient ceremony for a considerable distance round her abode unless dame ursley as they called her was present she could contrive all sorts of pastimes games and jests which might amuse the large companies which the hospitality of our ancestors assembled together on such occasions so that her presence was literally considered as indispensable in the families of all citizens of ordinary rank at such joyous periods so much also was she supposed to know of life in its labyrinths that she was the willing confidant of half the loving couples in the vicinity most of whom used to communicate their secrets to and receive their counsel from dame ursley the rich rewarded her services with rings ouches or gold pieces which she liked still better and she very generously gave her assistance to the poor on the same mixed principles as young practitioners in medicine assist them partly from compassion and partly to keep her hand in use dame ursley's reputation in the city was the greater that her practice had extended beyond temple bar and that she had acquaintances nay patrons and patronesses among the quality whose rank as their members were much fewer and the prospect of approaching the courtly sphere much more difficult bore a degree of consequence unknown to the present day when the toe of the citizen presses so close on the courtier's heel dame ursley maintained her intercourse with this superior rank of customers partly by driving a small trade in perfumes essences pomades headgears from france dishes or ornaments from china then already beginning to be fashionable not to mention drugs of various descriptions chiefly for the use of the ladies and partly by other services more or less connected with the esoteric branches of her profession heretofore alluded to possessing such and so many various modes of thriving debersley was nevertheless so poor that she might probably have mended her own circumstances as well as her husband's if she had renounced them all and set herself quietly down to the care of her own household and to assist benjamin in the concerns of his trade but ursula was luxurious and genial in her habits and could no more have endured the stinted economy of benjamin's board than she could have reconciled herself to the bald chat of his conversation it was on the evening of the day on which lord nigel oliphant dined with the wealthy goldsmith that we must introduce ursula subtlechop upon the stage she had that morning made a long tour to westminster was fatigued and had assumed a certain large elbow-chair rendered smooth by frequent use placed on one side of her chimney in which there was lit a small but bright fire here she observed betwixt sleeping and waking the simmering of a pot of well-spiced ale on the brown surface of which bobbed a small crab-apple sufficiently roasted while a little mulatto girl watched still more attentively the process of dressing a veal sweetbread in a silver stewpan which occupied the other side of the chimney with these viands doubtless dame ursula proposed concluding the well-spent day of which she reckoned the labour over and the rest at her own command she was deceived however for just as the ale or to speak technically the lamb's wool was fitted for drinking and the little dingy maiden 
intimated that the sweet bread was ready to be eaten the thin cracked voice of benjamin was heard from the bottom of the stairs why dame firstly why wife i say why dame why love you are wanted more than a strop for a blunt razor why dame i would someone would draw a razor across thy windpipe thou bawling ass said the dame to herself in the first moment of irritation against her clamorous helpmate and then called it aloud why what is the matter master subtlechop i'm just going to slip into bed i've been daggled to and fro the whole day nay sweetheart it is not me said the patient benjamin but the scots laundry maid from neighbour ramsay's who must speak with you incontinent at the word sweetheart dame ursley cast a wistful look at the mess which was stewed to a second in the stewpan and then replied with a sigh bid scotch jenny come up master subtlechop i shall be very happy to hear what she has to say then added in a lower tone and i hope she will go to the devil in the flame of a tar-barrel like many a scots witch before her the scots laundress entered accordingly and having heard nothing of the last kind wish of dame subtlechop made her reverence with considerable respect and said her young mistress had returned home unwell and wished to see her neighbour dame ursley directly and why will it not do to-morrow jenny my good woman said dame ursley for i have been as far as whitehall to-day already and i am well nigh worn off my feet my good woman a wheel answered jenny with great composure and if that say be say i maun take the langer tramp myself and maun gae down the waterside for old mother redcap at the hungerford stairs that deals in comforting young creatures e'en as you do yourself hinny for ain a ye the bairn maun see before she sleeps and that's o that i can aunt so saying the old emissary without farther entreaty turned on her heel and was about to retreat when dame ursley exclaimed no no if the sweet child your mistress has any necessary occasion for good advice and kind tendance you need not go to mother redcap janet she may do very well for skipper's wives chandler's daughters and such like but nobody shall wait on pretty mistress margaret the daughter of his most sacred majesty's horologer excepting and saving myself and so i will but take my choppins and my cloak and put on my muffler and cross the street to neighbour ramsay's in an instant but tell me yourself good jenny are you not something tired of your young lady's frolics and change of mind twenty times a day in troth not i said the patient drudge unless it may be when she is a wee fascious about washing her laces but i've been her keeper since she was a bairn neighbour subtlechop and that makes a difference ay said dame ursley still busy putting on additional defences against the night air and you know for certain that she has two hundred pounds a year in good land at her own free disposal left by her grandmother heaven rest her soul said the scotswoman and to a daintier lassie she could not have bequeathed it very true very true mistress for with all her little whims i've always said mistress margaret ramsay was the prettiest girl in the ward and jenny i warrant the poor child has had no supper jenny could not say but it was the case for her master being out the twa prentice lads had gone out after shutting shop to fetch them home and she and the other maid had gone out to sandy mcgivens to see her friend frey scotland as was very natural mrs janet said dame ursley who found her interest in assenting to all sorts of propositions from all sorts of persons and so the fire went out too said jenny which was the most natural of the whole 
said dame subtle chop and so to cut the matter short jenny i'll carry over a little bit of supper that i was going to eat for dinner i have taste of none and then maybe my young pretty mistress margaret will eat a morsel with me for it is mere emptiness mistress jenny that often puts these fancies of illness into young folks heads so saying she put the silver posset cup with the ale into jenny's hands and assuming her mantle with the alacrity of one determined to sacrifice inclination to duty she hid the stewpan under its folds and commanded wilsa the little mulatto girl to light them across the street whither away so late said the barber whom they passed seated with his starveling boys round a mess of stockfish and parsnips in the shop below if i were to tell you gaffer said the dame with most contemptuous coolness i do not think you could do my errand so i will e'en keep it to myself benjamin was too much accustomed to his wife's independent mode of conduct to pursue his inquiry farther nor did the dame tarry for farther question but marched out at the door telling the eldest of the boys to sit up till her return and look to the house the whilst the night was dark and rainy and although the distance betwixt the two shops was short it allowed dame ursley leisure enough while she strode along with high-tucked petticoats to embitter it by the following grumbling reflections i wonder what i have done that i must needs trudge at every old beldam's bidding and every young minx's maggot i have been marched from temple bar to whitechapel on the matter of a pin-maker's wife having pricked her fingers mary her husband that made the weapon might have salved the wound and here is this fantastic ape pretty mistress margaret forsooth such a beauty as i could make of a dutch doll and as fantastic and humorous and conceited as if she were a duchess i have seen her in the same day as changeful as a marmoset and as stubborn as a mule i should like to know whether her little conceited noddle or her father's old crazy calculating jolter pate breeds most whimsies but then there's that two hundred pounds a year in dirty land and the father's held a close chuff though a fanciful he is our landlord besides and she has begged a late day from him for our rent so god help me i must be comfortable besides the little capricious devil is my only key to get at master george harriet's secret and it concerns my character to find that out and so andiamos as the lingua franca hath it thus pondering she moved forward with hasty strides until she arrived at the watchmaker's habitation the attendant admitted them by means of a pass-key onward glided dame ursula now in glimmer and now in gloom not like the lovely lady christabel through gothic sculpture and ancient armour but creeping and stumbling among relics of old machines and models of new inventions in various branches of mechanics with which wrecks of useless ingenuity either in a broken or half-finished shape the apartment of the fanciful though ingenious mechanist was continually lumbered at length they attained by a very narrow staircase pretty mistress margaret's apartment where she the cynosure of the eyes of every bold young bachelor in fleet street sat in a posture which hovered between the discontented and the disconsolate for her pretty back and shoulders were rounded into a curve her round and dimpled chin reposed in the hollow of her little palm while the fingers were folded over her mouth her elbow rested on a table and her eyes seemed fixed upon the dying charcoal which was expiring in a small grate she scarce turned her head when dame ursula entered and when the presence of that estimable matron was more precisely announced in words by the old scotswoman mistress margaret without changing her posture muttered some sort of answer that was wholly unintelligible go your ways down to the kitchen with wilsa good mistress jenny said dame ursula who was used to all sorts of freaks on the part of her patients or clients whichever they might be termed 
put the stewpan and the porringer by the fireside and go down below i must speak to my pretty love mistress margaret by myself and there is not a bachelor betwixt this and beau but will envy me the privilege the attendants retired as directed and dame ursula having availed herself of the embers of charcoal to place her stewpan to the best advantage drew herself as close as she could to her patient and began in a low soothing and confidential tone of voice to inquire what ailed her pretty flower of neighbours nothing dame said margaret somewhat pettishly and changing her posture so as rather to turn her back upon the kind inquirer nothing lady bird answered dame subtle chop and do you use to send for your friends out of bed at this hour for nothing it was not i who sent for you dame replied the malcontent maiden but and who was it then said ursula for i had not been sent for i had not been here at this time of night i promise you it was the old scotch fool jenny who did it out of her own head i suppose said margaret for she has been stunning me these two hours about you and mother redcap me and mother redcap said dame ursula an old fool indeed that couples folk up so but come come my sweet little neighbour jenny is no such fool after all she knows you young folks want more and better advice than her own and she knows too where to find it for them so you must take heart of grace my pretty maiden and tell me what you are moping about and then let dame ursula alone for finding out a cure nay and ye be so wise mother ursula replied the girl you may guess what i ail without my telling you ay ay child answered the complacent matron no one can play better than i at the good old game of what is my thought like now i warrant that little head of yours is running on a new head tire a foot higher than those our city dames wear or you are all for a trip to islington or where and your father is cross and will not consent or or you are an old fool dame subtle chop said margaret peevishly and must needs trouble yourself about matters you know nothing of fool as much as you will mistress said dame ursula offended in her turn but not so very many years older than yourself mistress oh we are angry are we said the beauty and pray madame ursula how come you that are not so many years older than me to talk about such nonsense to me who am so many years younger and who yet have too much sense to care about headgears and islington well well young mistress said the sage counsellor rising i perceive i can be of no use here and methinks since you know your own matters so much better than other people do you might dispense with disturbing folks at midnight to ask their advice why now you are angry mother said margaret detaining her this comes of your coming out at eventime without eating your supper i never heard you utter a cross word after you had finished your little morsel here janet a trencher and salt for dame ursula and what have you in that porringer dame filthy clammy ale as i would live let janet fling it out of the window or keep it for my father's morning draught and she shall bring you the pottle of sack that was set ready for him good man he will never find out the difference for ale will wash down his dusty calculations quite as well as wine truly sweetheart i am of your opinion said dame ursula whose temporary displeasure vanished at once before these preparations for good cheer and so settling herself on the great easy chair with a three-legged table before her she began to dispatch with good appetite the little delicate dish which she had prepared for herself she did not however fail in the duties of civility and earnestly but in vain pressed mistress margaret to partake her dainties the damsel declined the invitation at least pledge me in a glass of sack said dame ursula i've heard my grandame say that before the gospelers came in the old catholic father confessors and their penitents always had a cup of sack together before confession and you are my penitent thou shalt drink no sack i am sure said margaret and i told you before that if you cannot find out what ails me i shall never have the heart to tell it 
so saying she turned away from dame ursula once more and resumed her musing posture with her hand on her elbow and her back at least one shoulder turned towards her confidant nay then said dame ursula i must exert my skill in good earnest you must give me this pretty hand and i will tell you by palmistry as well as any gypsy of them all what foot it is you halt upon as if i halted on any foot at all said margaret something scornfully but yielding her left hand to ursula and continuing at the same time her averted position i see brave lines here said ursula and not ill to read neither pleasure and wealth and married nights and late mornings to my beauty and such an equipage as shall shake whitehall oh have i touched you there and smile you now my pretty one for why should not he be lord mayor and go to court in his gilded coach as others have done before him lord mayor pshaw replied margaret and why pshaw at my lord mayor sweetheart or perhaps you pshaw at my prophecy but there is a cross in every one's line of life as well as in yours darling and what though i see a prentice's flat cap in this pretty palm yet there is a sparking black eye under it and hath not as match in the ward of farringdon without whom do you mean dame said margaret coldly whom should i mean said dame ursula but the prince of prentices and king of good company jenkin vincent out woman jenkin vincent a clown a cockney exclaimed the indignant damsel ay sets the wind in that quarter beauty quoth the dame why it has changed something since we spoke together last for then i would have sworn it blew fairer for poor jinvin and the poor lad dotes on you too and would rather see your eyes than the first glimpse of the sun on the great holiday on may-day i would my eyes had the power of the sun to blind his then said margaret to teach the drudge his place nay said dame ursula there be some who say that frank dunstall is as proper a lad as jinvin and of surety he is third cousin to a knighthood and come of a good house and so mayhap you may be for northwood ho maybe i may answered margaret but not with my father's prentice i thank you dame ursula nay then the devil may guess your thoughts for me said dame ursula this comes of trying to shoe a filly that is eternally wincing and shifting ground hear me then said margaret and mind what i say this day i dined abroad i can tell you where answered her counsellor with your godfather the rich goldsmith ah you see i know something nay i could tell you as i would with whom too indeed said margaret turning suddenly round with an accent of strong surprise and colouring up to the eyes with old sir mungo mella rother said the oracular dame he was trimmed in my benjamin's shop in his way to the city pshaw the frightful old mouldy skeleton said the damsel indeed you say true my dear replied the confidant it is a shame to him to be out of st pancras's charnel-house for i know no other place he is fit for the foul-mouthed old railer he said to my husband somewhat which signifies nothing to our purpose i dare say interrupted margaret i must speak then there dined with us a nobleman a nobleman the maiden's mad said dame ursula there dined with us i say continued margaret without regarding the interruption a nobleman a scottish nobleman now our lady-keeper said the confidant she is quite frantic heard ever any one of a watchmaker's daughter falling in love with a nobleman and a scots nobleman to make the matter complete who are all as proud as lucifer and as poor as job a scots nobleman quotha i'd leave you told me of a jew peddler i would have you think how all this is to end pretty one before you jump in the dark that is nothing to you ursula it is your assistance said mistress margaret and not your advice that i am desirous to have and you know i can make it worth your while 
oh it is not for the sake of lucre mistress margaret answered the obliging dame but truly i would have you listen to some advice bethink you of your own condition my father's calling is mechanical said margaret but our blood is not so i've heard my father say that we are descended at a distance indeed from the great earls of dalwolsey the head of the ancient and distinguished house of ramsay and to whom as their chief the individuals of that name look as their origin and source of gentry alan ramsay the pastoral poet in the same manner makes dalhousie of an old descent my chief my stoop my ornament ay ay said dame ursula even so i never knew a scout of you but was descended as you call it from some great house or other and a piteous descent it often is and as for the distance you speak of it is so great as to put you out of sight of each other yet do not toss your pretty head so scornfully but tell me the name of this lordly northern gallant and we will try what can be done in the matter it is lord glenvarlock whom they call lord nigel oliphant said margaret in a low voice and turning away to hide her blushes merry heaven forfend exclaimed dame subtlechump this is the very devil and something worse how mean you said the damsel surprised at the vivacity of her exclamation why know ye not said the dame what powerful enemies he has at court know ye not but blisters on my tongue it runs too fast for my wit enough to say that you had better make your bridal bed under a falling house than think of young glenvarlock he is unfortunate then said margaret i knew it i divined it there was sorrow in his voice when he said even what was gay there was a touch of misfortune in his melancholy smile he had not thus clung to my thoughts had i seen him in all the midday glare of prosperity romances have cracked her brain said dame ursula she is a castaway girl utterly distraught loves a scotch lord and likes him the better for being unfortunate well mistress i am sorry this is a matter i cannot aid you in it goes against my conscience and it is an affair above my condition and beyond my management but i will keep your counsel you will not be so base as to desert me after having drawn my secret from me said margaret indignantly if you do i know how to have my revenge and if you do not i will reward you well remember the house your husband dwells in is my father's property i remember it but too well mistress margaret said ursula after a moment's reflection and i would serve you in anything in my condition but to meddle with such high matters i shall never forget poor mistress turner my honoured patroness peace be with her she had the ill luck to meddle in the matter of somerset and overbury and so the great earl and his lady slipped their necks out of the collar and left her and some half-dozen others to suffer in their stead i shall never forget the sight of her standing on the scaffold with a ruff round her pretty neck all done up with the yellow starch which i had so often helped her to make and that was so soon to give place to a rough hempen cord such a sight sweetheart would make one loath to meddle with matters that are too hot or heavy for their handling out you fool answered mistress margaret am i one to speak to you about such criminal practices as that wretch died for all i desire of you is to give me precise knowledge of what affair brings this young nobleman to court and when you have his secret said ursula what will it avail you sweetheart and yet i would do your errand if you could do as much for me and what is it you would have of me said mistress margaret what do you have been angry with me for asking before answered dame ursula i want to have some light about the story of your godfather's ghost that is only seen at prayers not for the world said mistress margaret will i be a spy on my kind godfather's secrets no ursula that i will never pry into which he desires to keep hidden but thou knowest that i have a fortune of my own which must at no distant day come under my own management think of some other recompense ay that i well know said the counsellor 
it is that two hundred per year with your father's indulgence that makes you so willful sweetheart it may be so said margaret ramsay meanwhile do you serve me truly and here is a ring of value and pledge that when my fortune is in my own hand i will redeem the token with fifty broad pieces of gold fifty broad pieces of gold repeated the dame and this ring which is a right fair one in token you fail not of your word well sweetheart if i must put my throat in peril i am sure i cannot risk it for a friend more generous than you and i would not think of more than the pleasure of serving you only benjamin gets more idle every day and our family say no more of it said margaret we understand each other and now tell me what you know of this young man's affairs which made you so unwilling to meddle with them of that i can say no great matter as yet answered dame ursula only i know the most powerful among his own countrymen are against him and also the most powerful of the court here but i will learn more of it for it will be a dim print that i will not read for your sake pretty mistress margaret know you where this gallant dwells i heard by accident said margaret as if ashamed of the minute particularity of her memory upon such an occasion he lodges i think at one christie's if i may mistake not at paul's wharf a ship chandler's a proper lodging for a young baron well but cheer you up mistress margaret if he has come up a caterpillar like some of his countrymen he may cast his slough like them and come out a butterfly so i drink good night and sweet dreams to you in another parting cup of sack and you shall hear tidings of me within four-and-twenty hours and once more i commend you to your pillow my pearl of pearls and marguerite of marguerites so saying she kissed the reluctant cheek of her young friend or patroness and took her departure with the light and stealthy pace of one accustomed to accommodate her footsteps to the purposes of dispatch and secrecy margaret ramsay looked after her for some time in anxious silence i did ill she at length murmured to let her wring this out of me but she is artful bold and serviceable and i think faithful for if not she will be true at least to her interest and that i can command i would have not spoken however i have begun a hopeless work for what has he said to me to warrant my meddling in his fortunes nothing but words of the most ordinary import mere table-talk and terms of course yet who knows she said and then broke off looking at the glass the while which as it reflected back a face of great beauty probably suggested to her mind a more favourable conclusion of the sentence than she cared to trust her tongue withal chapter eight